You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Well, good morning, friends. This is the day the Lord has made, amen? And we can rejoice and be glad in it. It's a privileged opportunity for me and my six-year-old grandson, Jackson, to be in uh, church today. Uh, any grandparents in the house? Can I see your hand? Yes. Uh, our grandkids are a wonderful thing. You know, I've discovered the reason why grandparents and grandkids get along so well is because we have the same common enemy, their parents. And... Um, but this is a first. Jackson's on his own without any parents, without Mimi, and so we're, uh, we're having a delightful, delightful time. And wow, thank you for this privileged opportunity. You know, great, great churches are not built accidentally. It takes the blessing and the favor of the Lord. It takes the intentionality of folks like you that understand what the church is, who we are, who we're not. But it also takes called and capable leadership that... Uh, says yes to the Lord and yes to a community. And uh, I can tell you, Gateway, when it comes to called and capable leadership, you have the absolute best sitting right down here. And Pastor Ben and Pastor Jessica, I just made you a pastor, you know, so just. But I, I want to say thank you guys for what you're doing to build a healthy church in uh, this kind of tri-city area and uh, just affirm you and affirm that, yes, missions is the key. It's the key to who we are. Is the Assemblies of God. First part of this message, I just want to say a big thank you. I kind of want to take you around the world a little bit through video and through some testimony to say thank you, just to give you a taste of why we do mission. We don't do missions because it's a denominational obligation. We do missions because we're convinced everybody has the right to taste and see that the Lord is good, that everybody has a right to an adequate presentation of the gospel. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1, verse 6, This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You know, a couple of years ago, Cyclone, Cyclone Pam blew in and through the Pacific and devastated the island of Vanuatu. But the Assemblies of God has personnel on the ground, and they were spared, but there was a lot of loss, both of life and of buildings. We have 27 churches there totally destroyed. Our Bible school was wiped out, and several of our pastors' homes were destroyed, but thanks to you. And missional churches like this, the rebuilding is still going on underway and the church is alive. Let's take a look at Vanuatu. Just complete devastation. Islands that have been so green and beautiful were completely stripped. They looked like desert islands. As we flew over communities, you know, whole communities would be gone. 
Um, what it's done is it's, it's set back the progress that they've made over the last 10, 15 years. Just, just almost back to start. Cyclone Pam delivered a mighty blow to the islands of Vanuatu. Rebuilding will not be measured in weeks or months. It will take years. The church building in Vanuatu is a community effort. And what happened here was five years of effort got destroyed in two hours. It was just gone. I'm on the island of Tana, one of many that make up the country, Vanuatu. Churches planted by Assemblies of God missionaries here need to be rebuilt after a powerful cyclone. What we want to do is come alongside churches and assist them in restoring what the cyclone took from them. So we're asking the churches to provide the foundation and the walls, but we're replacing roofs. We just want to get people out of the rain, out of the elements, and they can slowly rebuild the rest of the structure after that. Supplies are in high demand after Cyclone Pam. Missionary Brian Webb is working with shipping authorities to get building materials and tools to churches in remote villages of Vanuatu. A pastor who lost his home in Cyclone Pam built this temporary shelter to get by and is devoting most of his time to the ministry. After the cyclone, we, about four Sundays, we canceled church because there was no building. We need materials to build a new building and also uh, finance. We're raising finance and we're looking forward for God to open new doors for help, assistance, so that we can have this visa accomplished. As the country rebuilds, there are new opportunities for Assemblies of God missionaries to share the gospel. I would say the primary reason we need to have missionaries in Vanuatu is those tribes that still don't have any churches. Our response here gives us an excellent opportunity to really display Christ and show the love of Christ. So here's a cool stat that the number of people who have come to faith in Christ since the disaster has been more than have come to faith in Christ in the past 15 years since our presence have been. I'm telling you, when a disaster comes in and the church responds, God uses that for his glory and his honor. Thank you. Thank you, Gateway Church, for understanding that everybody has the right to taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, 2017 and 2018 was a crazy couple of years for natural disasters here in the United States as well as around the world. I mean, it actually went down as U.S. most costliest year on record for natural disasters. You've had everything most recently from the Bahamas, but a couple years ago, Hurricanes Harvey, Irma, Maria ravaged the Atlantic in the late summer, early fall, affecting Puerto Rico, Houston, Florida, a massive earthquake, 7.1 killed 369 people in Mexico City, the wildfires of California both a couple years ago, even now. You had severe flooding in Sri Lanka that took the lives of 171 people. But thanks to you and thanks to churches like Gateway, we have a ministry called Convoy of Hope. Have anybody ever heard of Convoy of Hope that are responding? I don't have video footage from Bahamas, but take a look at this video clip from Puerto Rico. Where are we at today? I know 
tens of thousands of people have received help, but where are things today? We have 11 major distribution centers around the island. We've reached around 70 communities through those 11 hubs. Thank God for Convoy of Hope. You are the first response in this area. Had it not been for a Convoy of Hope, we wouldn't have had the tools. So Hal, two major earthquakes struck here. It impacted hundreds of thousands of lives, and today they estimate at least a half a million people are homeless and displaced. But the reality is hope is on the rise. Because of our network of partners, we've been able to distribute 98,000 meals already. We just believe that good things are happening because people are reaching out in kindness. This whole neighborhood had about two feet of water in it. Not only are the volunteers doing the tear out, but it's all coming out here. We're loading in a truck and we're doing the haul off. Convoy of Hope came out when no other entity came out. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> we would be stuck without you guys. And this is a long-term project, so we still need your help. Windows were blown out, roofs were ripped off, everything inside was soaking wet. For the level of devastation, it's surprising that only five people died. Thanks to an amazing donor, we were able to get a 300-foot ship full of $2 million worth of supplies. Right now, we have teams making meals every day for the children of this island. Ever since the inception of Irma, we've been distributing resources throughout the entire state. And, you know, it was heavy in the news for the first week, and after that, it, it disappears from the media quickly, but it doesn't mean that the need has disappeared. This is going to take a while to recover from this. This isn't just fixing your roof and moving back in your home. And like I said, we could not have done it without Convoy of Hope. You were just our knight in shining armor. Thank you, Gateway, for having people in Puerto Rico say Convoy of Hope came out when no other entity came out. We'd be stuck without you guys. A mayor that describes this ministry is a knight in shining armor. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being Christ's hands in some of these devastated areas. That's, you see, it's not only the key to our past, it really is the key to our future. Well, we have some neighbors to the south of us who've been in the news the past couple of years. I'm not talking about the state of Ohio, but I am talking about Cuba. Take a look at this video from Cuba. Cuba is a beautiful island filled with beautiful people. There it is. Um, in fact, they even have some pretty cool cars there in Cuba. The 1950 Chevys and Fords and Plymouths, they're still running without any car parts from the United States. And, and Cubans are really resourceful people, very resourceful people. In fact, I'm told that the average salary for a Cuban citizen is about $25 a month. Pastor Eleazar is the superintendent of this great movement. Now listen to this. In the 1990s, there were 90 Assemblies of God churches on the island. Today, there are 9,000 churches on the island. Churches have been busting at the seams. In fact, they're growing so fast, they were causing traffic jams, filling up buses of public transportation on Sunday mornings. And the government said, hey, you have to do something about this. So they started to meet in homes and apartments and garages, and they are exploding. In fact, Pastor Elliot Mazio told me this last April, Superintendent Clay, we owe so much to our brothers and sisters in the USA. We've been blessed over the years. It's now our turn to give back. You see, for over 50 years, Cubans weren't allowed to have a passport. 
So as soon as they were allowed to obtain passports, they sent out their first missionaries to Ecuador, to an unreached people group. So they have opened their own Cuban World Missions Department. So here's a country that's still kind of under communistic control. In fact, when I went to do their general council in April, I wasn't picked up at the airport by the general superintendent. I got to the church. It was jammed full of people. And I kept wondering, well, where's the general superintendent? Where's the general superintendent? He came in just a few minutes before the service. He had been incarcerated the last two days, interrogated by the government, wanting to know what this church is all. Why are these national, international guests coming to this celebration? There is still, there's still kind of this persecution. I said to the superintendent, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for the persecution that you're experiencing. He stopped me. He said, please, please. Don't apologize for the persecution we're experiencing. Every time we go through persecution, our church grows. So I'm telling you, friends, this thing called missions really does work. And I want to say thank you for your investment in Cuba. You know, aren't you glad that the DNA of a spirit-empowered church transcends geography ethnic groups and languages, and that the Great Commission really isn't just a kingdom concept or a denominational concept or a Western idea. The, the Great Commission is a God concept. Let's go to Cambodia. In fact, this is fascinating in Cambodia. Helping the kids in terms of education is not enough. The goal for us is to give them Jesus Christ. We're able to teach Bible one day a week. And a number of our kids have come to know the Lord and God is changing their, their hearts and changing their lives. Our hope is to raise up a generation of believers 
and train them and then send them out to tell the people about Jesus Christ so that everyone in Cambodia will have that opportunity so that they can hear the full gospel where they can be saved through the name of Jesus Christ. very village that you just saw. I was there a year ago with Darth Lee and some of our missionaries. We did some high school assemblies on those floating schools and spoke in the floating church. It was amazing following the assemblies. As this, first of all, it was amazing. The little seven-year-old kid was driving the boat that we were on, you know. I'm like, okay, that's my grandson's age. I don't know if I trust him. I barely trust him with my iPhone, let alone my boat in the middle of these floating villages. We did these assemblies, and these kids would come up, and I, I did a thing on, on God's dream for your life, and I would say something like, what's your dream? These little Cambodians would say, I have a dream to be like Moses. I want to lead my people to a better land. What's your dream? I have a dream to be like Daniel. I want to be able to talk to government officials. What's your dream? I have a dream to be like Paul. I want to plant some churches. Here are junior high and high school kids in an educational world tying their dreams to people of Scripture rather than Marvel comic persons. How many of you know that's a pretty cool thing? So I want to say thank you. Thank you, Gateway Church for investing in persons like Darth Lee and ministries like Assemblies of God in Cambodia that are releasing the dreams in young people. You know, when I see that video of Cambodia, I'm reminded that even in the midst of hardship, in the midst of poverty, in the midst of despair, we've got missionaries that bring a message of hope and provide educational opportunities to children to have a better future because of your generosity. Thank you. And because of your faithfulness, we're seeing, we're seeing results. We're seeing revival. We're seeing, we're seeing young people capture the heart of God. But you can't talk about missions without talking about persecution. Perhaps one of the greatest things that breaks my heart, and I'm sure breaks your hearts too, is the price, the price that many of our brothers and sisters pay just to follow Jesus Christ. Some are put in jail. Some suffer physical beating, some lose their homes, some are even killed, killed. But for me, it's the children of the persecuted and suffering church who are paying the biggest price. Take a listen to a testimony from one young girl. Once upon a time in a land called Colombia, there was a girl called Sophia. Sophia's mommy and daddy were leaders of a church, but there were some men who didn't want them to talk about Jesus. And one day, these men came to their village. Mis padres estaban preparando para ser pastores. Me daban consejos, me ayudaban en el estudio, siempre me trataban bien. Yo estaba donde una vecina, yo había salido. Y después cuando sonaron todos los tiros, entonces yo de una me asusté y fui a preguntar por mi mamá y mi papá. Y cuando vi a mi mamá, simplemente ella respiraba. Entonces yo al verla así, yo quería como hablar con ella y pues la gente no me dejaba. Decía, Ay, déjenme de entrar, déjenme de entrar. Y, y o sea... Uf. 
podía hablar con mi papá, porque mi papá sí podía hablar. Él decía que no sentía las manos, que lo llevaran rápido al hospital. Y yo quería hablar con él y no, no me dejaron hablar con él. Entonces, los hermanos de la iglesia vinieron y hicimos una oración por mi papá y por mi mamá. Y después a la hora me llegaron a mí con la noticia de que mi mamá había fallecido. Entonces ahí fue donde yo dije, pero no se supone que cuando uno le pide, uno le pide a Dios, Dios lo responde, porque sería que Dios no, o sea, no respondió nuestra oración. world children are suffering because they follow Jesus. They grow up in Christian homes or their parents become Christians. Or they make their own choice to follow Jesus. But they have one thing in common. They pay a high price for their faith. Some are orphans, their parents murdered. Some have their mother or father taken away from them and put in a prison. Some are excluded from school. Some have to leave their homes and move far away, and some just disappear. They're the secret children, the hidden victims. They never get three wishes, they never get happily ever afters, and they never get fairy tale endings. And we want to tell you their stories. The suffering and persecuted church is very real. A couple of weeks ago, there was a delegation that came to Springfield from Burkina Faso. Two of the members of the delegation were a part of a church that was raided and attacked, where several persons were killed and uh, hurt. I heard their story. One of the young persons who was, whose life was spared from the attack looked at me with great sincerity and said, Superintendent Clay, we're not asking you to pray for our deliverance from persecution. We're asking you to pray that God will strengthen us during the persecution. I thought to myself, wow, that's early church kind of faith, right? Didn't, Paul, didn't Peter write about that in 1 Peter chapter 4 when he says, if you're abused because of Christ, count yourself fortunate. But if it's because you're a Christian, don't give it a second thought. Be proud of the distinguished status reflected in that name. It's a part of why we do missions, because there are parts of the world where saying yes to Jesus is a high risk. Well, there's an emerging group of people that the Assemblies of God is not ignoring. They're the refugees. Did you know, according to figures published by the United Nations, that there are now 67 million refugees? If refugees were considered a nation, they would be the 20th largest nation in the world. This human highway is not just a crisis of numbers. We see it as an unprecedented evangelistic opportunity for the church to come and to tell people about Jesus. Take a look at this um, refuge. I want to give you a biblical view of the refuge crisis from Syria. Syria alone is a population of about 23 million people, and around half of them have either been displaced or killed. And I'm thinking, what do you do with that? 
I get it, and you would agree, God's sovereign over nations, he's sovereign over nature, he's even sovereign over the suffering in the world, he's sovereign over our lives, because he made man from every nation, all mankind on the face of the earth, having predetermined the allotted periods and boundaries of our dwellings. God desires for all man to seek him and to pursue him. Make no mistake, God desires that not only we seek him, but that he's found, that we find him, that we know him, that we enjoy him. And I believe that God even oversees the travels of people to that end. And in his goodness, in his grace, God can even turn the tragedy of forced migration into the triumph of future salvation. And so we realize there are unprecedented opportunities that exist for us right now, particularly for Syrians to hear the gospel. And because of the refugee crisis, we go to meet their needs. We share the greatest news in all of the world with them. We can't sit back and spend our time debating whether or not a few of them can come to us. Jesus said, go into all the world. So I believe it's time for us to do that. And we are. We have persons that are going into refugee communities, bringing a message of hope, bringing food, bringing the gospel. And I just want to say thanks, Gateway, for helping even our missionaries to refugee groups taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, some people think that this 105-year-old fellowship of churches called the Assemblies of God, being that old is a liability. And, and you know what? Being 105 years old can become a liability. If you're not careful, you'll become institutional. You'll, you won't be relevant. You'll be inward-focused versus outward-focused. That's why not only is missions the key to the future for a local church, missions is the key to the future to the network of churches called the Assemblies of God. And um, I don't want to become institutional. I don't want it to become inward focus. In fact, when I see state-side ministries like Chi Alpha developing a global passion, I get excited. Take a look at this video from Japan. Uh, Japan is a beautiful country. It's about 127 million people for perspective. That's about half of the population of America crammed into California. That's a lot of people in a very small area. Japan is also known as the second largest unreached people group in the world. There are millions who don't know who Jesus is. There are millions who've never met a Christian in their lifetime. But we have Chi Alpha missionaries serving in Japan, and they tell us that the most open segment of people in Japan are university students. They believe that for Japan, student ministry and university evangelism is the key to seeking, seeing revival come to that nation. They pray that they're affecting university. They pray that as they reach students on the campuses, that will transform their world. They've had students whose eyes have been opened to truth for the very first time. They even have pre-Christians who attend Bible studies to hear the message of hope. In fact, there's one example. Her name is Nukino, and I want her to tell you of her experience. She's not a Christian, but she attends a Bible study. The reason study. why I go to Kaiofa is that I have friends there. They're really nice. They're really kind to me. I still don't know what 
God is, but every time I read Bible, I find new things about Him. Isn't that cool? I still don't know who God is, but every time I read the Bible. So I'm grateful that ministries like Chi Alpha that focus on campuses in America have a heart for missions, understand that missions is the key to our future, and we're taking the gospel to unreached people groups. So Gateway, on behalf of missionaries and ministries like Convoy of Hope that you support, I'm here to say a huge Thank you. But I'm also to, here to kind of give you an answer. An answer to the why. Why? Why all this intensity? Why all this emphasis? Why all this encouragement? Why all this focus on sacrificial giving? Why does a, why does a church in this tri-city area throw up flags and expose you to the lostness of humanity around the world? Well, the Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 12, but to all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. We believe, this church believes that every person has a right to a clear and adequate presentation of the gospel. And so because I believe God has both the integrity and the ability to back up every single promise in his book, when he says the right to become children of God to those who believe and accept him, I want to see that happen in my lifetime. So why? Why give to missions? Why is it important for a spirit-filled church like Gateway to see missions is not optional, but very essential? Let me give you a couple reasons why we believe missions is so important. First of all, we believe missions is so important because Jesus is the only way to God. Because Jesus is the only way to God. Jesus himself said in John chapter 14, verse 6, look at this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Nobody gets saved apart from Jesus. Nobody finds eternal life without Christ. And yet Christ himself talked about deception in last days. Look at this verse that Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in last days, watch this, some will turn away from the true faith. They'll follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. I'll tell you, that's happening even today. Even in America. People are turning away. They'll follow anybody who speaks with charisma or authority or promises to solve their problems, but there are still 2.8 billion people who have never heard the name of Jesus in the world. So that's why we put so much emphasis on missions. That's why we say everybody has a right to taste and see that the Lord is good, because missions didn't begin with a denomination. It began in the heart of Jesus. Secondly, we do missions because we want people to understand God is not just an omnipresent God, but he's a right here, right now, right next to you present God. That he's not just a figment of an imagination, he's not just a, 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 a fictional story to be passed on, he's real and wants to be as close as the mention of his name. Speaking of presence and having my grandson Jackson here, I'm reminded of uh, the power of presence. 
Last fall, um, Jackson and I decided it would be okay for him to have his first overnighter at Papa's house. But we had to work really hard in convincing his mom, my firstborn, that it was okay for Jackson to have an overnighter at Papa's house without any of the parents. So we finally convinced her, and I'll never forget, I went to pick up Jackson from the house, and he had a Spider-Man backpack all loaded up, and it was all filled. He was in the doorway, and when I went to pick him up, the door opened, and uh, he said, Papa, Papa. I said, come on, Jackson, let's have an overnighter at Papa's house. He came, and as I turned to leave, Jackson's mom, my daughter, oldest daughter, said, um, Dad, here you go. And she handed me a three-by-five card with six very specific instructions on this three-by-five. Like, what's up with that? I start reading these instructions. I get to instruction number three, dad, comma. After 6 p.m., please make sure you put two parts water, one part apple juice in his sippy cup. Like, we don't do mixed drinks at Papa's house. We're 100% Verner's at Papa's house, okay? None of this mixed drink stuff. Ah, all right, I got it. So we got in the car. I ripped that card up. I said, come on, Jackson, we're going to Papa's house. I mean, things were going great. We played a little bit. We watched some PJ Mask videos. And he, got, he got his bath, got his jammies on, ready for bed. And just about the time he was getting ready for bed, a southwest Missouri storm whipped up. I mean, it was a doozy of a storm. It was loud thunder, the flashing lightning. And I could tell Jackson was feeling a little anxious. So I said, little buddy, you want to sleep in Papa's room? He said, yeah, yeah. So I made him a little bed area just down on my side of the bed, just kind of a couple of blankets, a pillow. I said, now, little buddy, I just, want you to, I just want you to hang out down there. Boom, a crack of thunder would come. He would jump up. I would say, hey, you're okay. That thunder can't hurt. You go, lay down. And boom, thunder, lightning, he'd pop up. I couldn't convince him that the thunder on the outside couldn't hurt him on the inside. And after about the fourth time, I, I said something. Now, I don't know if you've ever done this. You ever just said something, you don't know where it came from, and before you could think about it, you can't reel it back in. You just said it. And about the fourth time he popped up, I said, Now, Jackson, Jack, listen, you need to understand something. Thunder can't hurt you. In fact, thunder is nothing more than God just moving his furniture up in heaven. <laughs> oh, don't judge me. You would have put Robitussin in his sippy cup, all right, to knock him out. I just... He said, oh, okay, and he laid back down. First crack of thunder, he didn't jump up. I'm like, cool. <laughs> you know, I know it makes no meteorological sense, makes no theological sense. I'll let his kid's pastor deal with that. I just want him to fall asleep. Second crack of thunder, he didn't jump up. I'm like, great, this is working. So uh, I have a CPAP machine. I belong to the CPAP club, so I grab my mask. I put it on, I crank it on, I got all these hoses coming out, and I roll over and I'm starting to go to sleep, and the doozy of all doozy thunders hits. Boom! And it just kind of rippled. And I'm laying there, but I can feel a set of eyes looking at me. I can just feel it. And so I roll over, and sure enough, he wasn't standing all the way up. He was just looking up, just looking above the mattress of the bed. So I take my mask off, and I was going to say something to him. He says, Papa, do you think that I could lay with you till God quits moving his furniture up in heaven? <laughs> and I said, you bet, little buddy. So I picked him up, and I plopped him down, and within 30 seconds, he was out. 
you see at age five at the time, he couldn't comprehend that the storm on the outside wouldn't hurt him on the inside. But it's interesting, as long as he was in close proximity to Papa, he had a sense of security to have the peace of mind to be able to fall asleep. When I hear that Chi Alpha student from Japan saying, you know, I don't really know who God is, but every time I read his word. You see, every time we bring the presence of Jesus closer to people who don't even know who he is, it does something to them. So we do missions because we want people to not only understand that God is an omnipresent God, that he's a God who's right here, right now, right next to you, whether you're in a suffering church, where you're in a war-torn country, maybe you've gone through a natural disaster. We want to bring the presence of Jesus really close to people and help them understand that he's the way, the truth, and the life. So why do we do missions? Jesus is the only way. We want to bring the presence of Jesus close to people. We also do missions because I've discovered, and probably you have too, money talks. I said money talks, and I want to use it to proclaim the glory of God. Look, I've watched money develop things in the entertainment world that have destroyed families. I've watched money develop things that have addicted men to, uh, to, to sites and to activities that have destroyed families. I've watched money develop things that have ripped off the innocence of children. So don't tell me that money talks. So I say, why don't we take money and use it to proclaim the glory of God, that he is the way, that he is the truth, that he is the life. Thirdly, fourthly, we participate in missions. And the reason my family participates in missions is because I want to live with a missional blessing that I believe is unique to those who participate in missions giving. Check out this verse from Psalm 67, verse 7. The Bible says, may God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Leave that up there for just a few moments. May God bless us still so that all of the ends of the earth will fear him. I believe there's a blessing that comes to families who participate in missions giving. And I suspect I discovered this in vivid color yesterday. I'm a third-generation Pentecostal preacher's kid. I was born and raised in this thing. In fact, I cut my teeth in the back of church pews. Uh, my life was influenced by Sunday school teachers like Mike Tidswell, who was here, who was my fourth grade Sunday school teacher, who had an ability to see me for who I could be, not just who I was at that time. When I was nine years old, my dad died suddenly of a massive heart attack. I was nine. My brother was 15. My sister was 18. Uh, so I was raised by my mom. My mom today is 88, going to be 89 in a couple days, and so she, she's got more energy than all of us. I mean, she, she's on Facebook. She walks four miles every day. She is just, she is a piece of work with a capital P and a capital W. So yesterday we popped down and uh, had, some, had some lunch with my mom, and it was kind of funny watching my mom and her great-grandson Jackson play hide-and-go-seek. But here's the backstory. So I'm raised with a mom who understands that everybody has a right to taste and see that the Lord is good. Two years ago, 
when I could tell she's not slowing down and she's going to live for a while, I kept asking my mom, Mom, how are you doing? How are you doing? Honey, 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 God's good. God's faithful. You can't out give. I know, but how are you? Honey, God is good. I try to call my sister, say, hey, we got to find this out. She says, I'm not touching that. You take care of that. And so I'm probing, how's mom doing? And so finally I said, Mom, why don't you send me a copy of your tax returns? Okay. I said, I just want to make sure you're good for the next however long, you know. It's so funny. I call her all the time, and she's tired. I said, Mom, why are you so tired? Well, I had to take all these old people. I had to take Sister Rogers over to do her therapy. I, I said, oh, she's 88 taking these people to certain ventures, and she's calling them old. And I'm going, Mom, you are, well, I don't say that, but I think that. And so she sends me her tax return. And in 2016, this widow who lives on Social Security and a little pension, she made $27,540-some dollars. When I looked at her charitable contribution, she had given $17,105 to Bethany Assemblies of God for missions. I said, Mom, you've got to throttle that back a little bit. Honey, 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 you can't outgive God. So I started listing some of the things. I said, Mom, you're still paying $300 to the national office for dues. You're retired. Well, see, there again, the Lord is faithful. So she quit sending $300 to me at the general council so she could pick up new missionaries uh, for support. I, I, I shake my head, but then I go, you know what? I probably wouldn't want to trade my mom's position for anybody else's position in the world. There's an 88-year-old mom who made us tacos and a homemade uh, apple pie in Boston cooler. That's Werner's with ice cream in it yesterday, playing hide-and-go-seek with her six-year-old grandson. And then when we left, gave us this big bag it has a lot of gifts in it for Christmas because she won't be with us for Christmas. She doesn't miss a birthday for any of her grandchildren. She has three grandchildren, or she has three children, seven grandchildren, 16 great-grandchildren, all serving Jesus. You don't think it's true that he who refreshes others himself will be refreshed. You don't think it's true that when the psalmist said, may God bless us still so that the ends of the earth will fear him. So one of the reasons why we engage in missions, why we believe it's the key to the future, is because there's a missional blessing. There's a blessing that comes upon the life. Quite frankly, one of the reasons why I wanted to choose this weekend to be the first weekend that I would bring Jackson on his own without any other grandparent or parent involved is because I knew it was a mission Sunday. I want him to see what does a real missionary look like. I want him to hear and feel and taste that this thing called missions isn't just because we belong to a denomination. It's because we belong to Christ and we believe that everybody has a right to taste and see that the Lord is good. So Gateway, thank you. Thank you on behalf of missionary units. Thank you on behalf of churches. Thank you on behalf of, of Convoy of Hope and Chi Alpha chapters here and around the world. Thank you for taking two Sundays out of a year to turn your heart towards the world and understand that everybody has a right to taste and see that the Lord is good.
Father, in the next couple of moments, would this be a hallmark year for Gateway Church? Would you fill this church and your people with so much faith that their generosity response would be greater than it's ever been before so that we, as a church, can partner with missionaries and see more people than we've ever seen come to faith in Jesus Christ. I pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Doug. In your bulletins, there was a faith promise card, and I want everyone to grab that. If you didn't get a faith promise card or you didn't get a bulletin on the way in, uh, if we could have a couple of guys in the back or ladies, just there's a stack on the back side of each of the sound booth. We'll just hand those. If you, I want every person to have a faith promise card in their hand. So if you don't have one, just slip up your hand, and uh, that'll be great. And uh, we want to talk about faith promise giving. We talk about faith promise giving. It's something that we started doing the very year that I became the pastor here at the Gateway Church, saying, you know what? We believe in missions. We're going to support missions. And one of the ways we do that is through faith promise giving. Now, the church, we give 10% of every dollar that you give for tithes and just undesignated offerings. 10% of that goes to fund missionaries, to, or to fund missions, I should say. That is... Uh, it goes to a general missions general fund where we're building churches, putting roofs, uh, helping in Convoy Hope, doing stuff for Chi Alpha. And, and uh, I mean, the list could go on and on of things that we do on a really monthly, sometimes even weekly basis. Uh, it, it helps pay for, um, for missions opportunities. When, our, when we have people go on missions trips, we help support and different things like that. And so 10% goes that way. But faith promise giving specifically funds missionary families and missions organizations like Convoy of Hope that we saw. And about 40, Mary, how many local and uh, stateside are in your portfolio? Is it like, oh, it's over 42 local missionaries on the lakeshore and in the state of Michigan. We've seen our missions grow because our heart has grown over the last several years. 13 years ago when I was... Uh, first became pastor here, we were supporting three or four missionaries. Now, by God's grace, to God be the glory, we are supporting every month over 110 missionaries. It's incredible. And 100% of that support comes through faith, promise, giving. Who's going to help you, Mary? Uh, do you have these in your hand? Let's just pull these up. Uh, we want to make sure everyone gets one of these. Steve, do you mind jumping up and helping me here? And uh, I want to make sure there's a faith promise card in every person's hand. We do that through faith promise giving. And what a faith promise is, it's an opportunity for each of us to say, God, if you can get the money to me, you can get it through me. 
And I have made a faith promise, and I've shared this story before, ever since I was 11 or 12 years old. I remember making my first faith promise uh, for Speed the Light. And then it's grown and it's grown. And for years now, it's been the largest allocation out of the month, out of our finances, and to God be the glory. And I, I mean, the Lord is good. You can't outgive God. I heard uh, Pastor Doug's mom's story last night at a little missions dinner that we did, and and uh, my mind is just you know spinning, saying, "Man, I want to be that. I want to give above and beyond consistently." So we say that missions is the key, and one of the ways we fund missions is through faith promise giving like we're saying what we're asking you to do if you are a part of the gateway church you're saying hey this is my home church we believe this is good for you there's best practices kind of like Doug's daughter made a list you know and uh, he ripped it up but I'm saying I mean those were best practices to help Jackson uh, we believe that, that making a faith promise is the best practice as a believer to give to local and foreign missions to the ends of the earth. And we're asking you to consider making a faith promise. Now, some of you have made a promise before, a faith promise. You're saying, yeah, we did this last year. Do I make a new faith promise? And we're saying, yes, make a new faith promise today or in the next few weeks as we tally these and then we'll report by the end of November. Because we know not everyone will be here on one Sunday. That's just the reality these days. But over the next few weeks, we're asking you to make a faith promise. To say, God, if you can get it to me, you can get it through me. And we're not going to twist your arm. In fact, we're not even going to look at what uh, you've, you know, who's putting the faith promise. In fact, you don't even have to put your name. It's between you and God on this. Uh, but what we do is we fill these out. We keep half of it, or the, the, I guess the small portion. We keep this, put this in our Bible, put this where we read, the, read Scripture, or maybe we're in our prayer journal, and it just reminds us a weekly or a monthly, or sometimes, I'll, in fact, in our family, we almost always do a yearly amount and say, hey, we believe this is what God wants us to do in the next year. And you make that, make that faith promise. Now, we're, what we're going to do today is we're just going to ask the Lord to speak to us. And our theme this year is that missions is the key to our future. And you might have noticed Pastor Doug had a little uh, keychain in his hand, kind of, you flashed it, and it was like, what is that? Well, we have a keychain to remind us about missions being the key. It's got our logo on it and just our name. And uh, what we'd like to do is we'd like to just kind of set the stage and uh, we've got two tables. We're going to slide those here in just a second uh, when, when uh, the worship team leads. And what we want to do is if your family makes a faith promise, we want you to exchange that faith promise commitment for a keychain to remind you of what God is wanting to do in your life, that it's the key to your future as well. And it's pretty simple. And so uh, we, do, we do this unashamed. We ask you to, to pray. And I've, I've heard lots of pastors uh, say, man, you know, you can look at your budget and 
and say, all right, I think maybe I could squeeze this out, maybe one less latte, or, you know, instead of buying, um, you know, you know, name brand cereal, I'll buy, you know, off-brand cereal, which is a horrible idea, by the way. But, uh, but you know, whatever the sacrifice is, and I get that. Uh, but I also want to challenge you to think above and beyond. That imagine God doing something supernatural in and through your finances. Not only what's calculated, but the supernatural. And I'll tell you, Pastor Doug, uh, the Lord has blessed my family. And every year we've stepped out and said, all right, we, we do a portion of our missions giving out of our budget. And we, it's, a, it's a calculated amount, and we do that. But then we always dream above and beyond that. And it is remarkable how God provides. And so this is what we're going to do. Uh, we're just going to ask the Lord to speak to our hearts. And if the Lord prompts your heart to make a faith promise at the bridge of the song, that we call it, the bridge. Uh, Pastor Bobby will kind of make a, a note, and you can come, you can exchange your faith promise for a keychain, and then we'll we'll close the service here in just a few moments. But let's just hold these faith promises uh, close to our heart here just for a moment, and would you just repeat after me? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, speak to my heart. Burden me for missions like never before. Do a work today in this next year. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Just so you know, the only folks that look at this to tally this are a couple on our missions team. And, uh, and then I've heard some churches, they just destroy the cards. And I kind of like that. Maybe we'll do that in a couple weeks here. As the Lord has moved on our hearts and we've taken a step of faith saying, you know what, we're going to participate this year. We're going to do it again. We're going to be stretched again. Um, I want to just challenge you uh, to, to do what the Lord tells you to do. You can't go wrong when you hear the voice of God and you respond. sometimes God puts something in your mind that seems even obtain, unobtainable. But we can trust God. I've been saying to the missions team, and I'll say it publicly to you, we believe that over the next five years, our missions program will double. And uh, we believe, we, we see God is showing us how to, to do that, and it takes us stretching again making another step. In fact, let me just step up so I can see your faces in the back. But uh, we believe that God is calling us to do that. And it takes us one step at a time. And so when we say double, it's double the amount of trips we're taking. It's double the amount of support for natural disasters. It's the double amount of support to refugees the double amount of Chi Alpha pastors that we want to support. And when we look at the 110 missionaries and missionary organizations, uh, I see us over 200 in the near future by God's grace. And that comes when God places something in our hearts and we're obedient. 
And so as we've taken a step today and we've been obedient, whoa, um, I want to just thank you. And I just want you to know that your best days are ahead. Because for those of you that made a faith promise today or will in the next few weeks, we believe that missions is your key. And together, we are going to see miracles, the supernatural happen in and through our lives. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for stirring our hearts. We thank you for the opportunity to give. And we thank you that we together can do something great for you. And Lord, I pray that as we take these keychains, and uh, this is a reminder that missions is a key. Lord, I pray that every time we see these, Lord, that you would remind us and prick our hearts for what uh, is meaningful to you. And Lord, keep our hearts soft towards you. And do in and through us the supernatural. And God, we give you the praise. We give you all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. And uh, we love you. And we'll see you here next Sunday morning. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.